You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for hunting and shooting in the great outdoors. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today. You will learn valuable tips and tricks that you can use on your next hunting trip into the field to make you a more successful hunter. Now here's your host, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Selms, and this is Episode 8, Australian Party Leader, Bob Catter. Bob is the new leader for the newly formed Australian Party. In my interview with Bob Catter, we talk about everything from firearms laws to fishing exclusion zones and even being able to defend yourself in your own home, also known as your castle. It was great talking with Bob, and uh, I hope uh, everyone gets a lot out of this podcast. I did have a few laughs throughout this podcast too. It was scheduled to be about for about 20 minutes, but we ended up getting about uh, 35 minutes with Bob. So we definitely hit some uh, key points, especially on uh, firearms laws, and uh, also several things like uh, fishing exclusion zones, um, which are really important, and uh, also you know gaining access back to areas you know, either that were prohibited or uh, increasing uh, access and use to already existing areas. As Bob has stated, you know, the land isn't owned by the crown, it's owned by the people. So he's trying to expand all aspects of, you know, hunting, shooting, fishing, and four-wheel driving. And uh, I hope everyone gets uh, a lot out of this podcast. Uh, before we get into my interview with Bob Catter, uh, again, guys, don't forget, we're on Facebook. Jump on the Facebook page. Uh, on Twitter, AH Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. If you want to contact Contact us for any reason, you can do so at Australian Hunting Podcast uh, at gmail.com uh, or rate us uh, or subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can download us on iTunes and subscribe to the automatic feed uh, so you can get uh, access, so you can uh, upload the podcast onto your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. And uh, also, please rate us on iTunes, guys. That puts us up the top of the uh, iTunes listings for uh, sport and hunting podcasts. Uh, having a really good time doing this. I've got many more guests coming up and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Australian Party Leader, Bob Catter. I'm Bob Catter from the Australian Party. We are talking to the Australian Hunting Podcast. God bless them all. All right, Bob Catter, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for coming on, mate. I really, really appreciate it. Great honour to be on. No worries at all. So, Bob, tell us, what was your motivation to uh, build the Australian Party? Was it disenchantment with the current two parties and what they stand for? We can talk about the economy, all opportunities. We can talk about farmers being driven into the ground uh, and uh, one of them committing suicide every four days and the nation becoming a net importer of food within four years. We can talk about all those things. But today, we have seven policy thrusts. I mean, the reason why I've been such an angry person out there is basically centering on those seven policies, right? Policy six is what we call the freedoms policy. And uh, during the last election campaign, uh, we went on ethanol, um, which fixed up three of our rural industries and cut the price of petrol and the price of electricity. Every other country in the world has gone to buy fuels. But the other issue that we hit hugely, and the picture in the Australian newspaper, was me boiling the billy. Because in Queensland, you're not allowed 
to boil a billy without a permit. Although I mean, you know, Henry Lawson's freedoms on the wallaby shore. Boil another billy, plant another tree, and knock the tyrant silly. Um, I mean, the Kit Kat ad had a beautiful McCubbin painting, which were three paintings in one. And, and each of the three was a bloke boiling the billy. I mean, our most famous painting in Australian history, um, you know, shearing the lambs and uh, <clears throat> and boiling the billy of McCubbins. And uh, our song, Waltzing Matilda, is about a bloke boiling the billy. Well, you can't do it anymore. I know, I know. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I used to have great joy in going down the pub and be the centre of everything in the town. And we'd have a great fun, great time. Did a lot of business there, did a lot of... People should have taken there the air conditioning of all the houses throughout uh, throughout uh, Western Queensland for the public servants was all done as a result of being down the pub one night uh, after the football, the rugby league games. Um, and uh, but I mean I had four of my eight neighbours all had pennies in their yard. Sorry, three three of my eight neighbours had pennies in their yards, and they were all blokes that had retired, and they got a lot of fun out of going down the the mouth of the Horton River and out into the estuaries there and into the ocean <clears throat> and their tinnies doing a bit of fishing and spend a couple of days camping out there. Well, they can't camp out now because, you know, you've got to get a permit because you can't boil the billy, so you can't camp out. Um, they, if they go into those waters now, they really need navigation charts because there's all these green zones everywhere. Navigation charts and GPSs, which cost $1,000, and none of them would have $1,000 to put out. You know, when you're out in the ocean, you, you've got no landmarks. Um, so these dogs have all sold off their tennis, you know, and they don't have that fun anymore. It's been taken away from them. And uh, I don't know how many Australians have taken away from them, but I had to write a, a little tract for a, a book on my mother. And, uh, you know, I thank my mother for allowing us boys to be boys. And we, you know, uh, would uh, abseil, as they call it now, down the old mine shafts, um, you know, which, which I suppose I suppose I have to agree that I should be banned. But we'd shoot the rapids in the uh, in the river, you know, when it was in uh, in uh, flood. Um, but we'd have, when we're young, our, our Shanghai's around our necks, you know, like a scapula metal, we all wear wore our shanghais and then when we got older we had our air rifles slung over our shoulders on our bicycles we're always on our bikes you know so you know we were always fishing and hunting and camping and you know boiling the billy we'd, we'd always take some damper with us when we went out you know even though we were young kids we were trained in the boy scouts um, and we loved that too but that's gone now too because you're not allowed to break branches and you're not allowed to have fires and so you can't really camp out overnight um, so it's all gone as well. Speaking of that, though, Bob, say, um, obviously, we're a hunting and shooting podcast, and uh, so what's your stance on getting back to our roots of hunting, shooting, and fishing, and getting fair and equal access to places to be able to hunt, shoot, fish, four-wheel drive, and, you know, these include, like, uh, the, you know, the Game Council State Forests and National Parks, for people who actually do the right thing. I can't speak uh, for all of Australia, Although I was speaking to one of the members of Parliament from New South Wales, and he said it's only a matter of time, I suppose, before they fill in the gap and wipe out all recreational fishing, that part of the New South Wales coast. Um, but uh, the, the proposal is for fishing bands from south of Double Island Point, which only stones throw from Brisbane, I don't know, 30, 40 kilometres up the road from Brisbane. 
and uh, it'll be closed off for 40 kilometres almost up to Bundaberg. And um, the whole of the Coral Sea, off the east coast of uh, North Queensland, uh, the whole of Coral Sea is up for declaration by somebody from America, a very, very suspicious mob called Pew. And I would have said few, not, you know, Pew. And uh, the Gulf of Carpentaria, it's proposed to be gone, and all of the southwestern seas, uh, south, uh, southwestern seas off Western Australia, uh, they're all proposals that I know of that are in the pipeline now. None of them will go ahead. None of them will go ahead. This is going to stop, and it's going to stop right here. Now, we will then consider increased access to the areas that have already been closed off for fishing. Now, with the shooting, it's infinitely more complex. And uh, But, I mean, the idea that you are exposed to prosecution continuously now uh, has got to go. I mean, the idea that people can, if you let off a horn in your backyard to get rid of some flying foxes, that the police will be directed to raid your house the next day, kick your door open, turn everything upside down in your house, looking for a trumpet. <laughs> a trumpet. Get <laughs> a flying fox. No, oh, it's, not, it's not silly. Truly, it is really serious. Because what is actually happening is, is the crown is reasserting itself. Now, we've had a, a good habit, we Anglos, of cutting the heads off these kings that get a bit carried away with themselves, you know, and start saying, they own everything, and you own nothing. And that's what's happening here. They're saying, no, 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 you don't own that land. No, the miners can go in there, because we get a quit out of that. Um, so miners can go in there, time they like. Oh, no, 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 you can't touch the flying foxes because we need the Greenies' preferences to get elected. And that's true of the LNP, just as true as it is of the ALP. In fact, it was LNP legislation that brought that in, the Biodiversity Act. The freedom to, in your own backyard, but the great vast bulk of the waters and the lands uh, in Australia is still owned by the people. Now, not by the Crown. By the people. Now, a lot of our forebears were sent out here because they were poachers. Now, you can't touch an egg on this. And we thought, well, hold on a minute, mate, we're a bit hungry here. Yeah? So we, we were poachers. So we were sent out here in chains. Well, you know, those kings got punished. They were ceased to be kings completely. We took all power away from them and put it in the hands of the parliament. So the parliament then became the crown. But they got a bit carried away with themselves, these blokes in parliament now. And they've decided to start taking all of our rights and freedoms away. Exactly. So say, uh, what do you think, Bob? Say, you know, the, I mean, the I mean, just from what you were saying before, the Greens have been the main perpetrators in, you know, creating, you know, media scare tactics, hype surrounding firearm firearm ownership. So could uh, voters and, be... And fishing, and fishing. Yeah, and fishing. Yeah. Could, could, could voters be assured that you would fight vehemently against, like, any laws, the Greens or the... Yeah, I can absolutely people? assure you that we will get the power because the people will give it to us. And when we get the power, then we'll exercise that power so there'll be no more closures. Let me make myself very clear. And then we will reaccess these areas. Now, we want reaccess because on the land, there is an estimated, I don't know what this figure is correct, but it's an estimated 32 million pigs in this country, wild pigs. And they're enormously destructive animals. The Julia Creek Dunnet is the most threatened species in Australia. 
and it is very seriously threatened by the pig populations. They're carnivores. Um, the toad population is in the many hundreds of billions. And uh, if everyone made an effort, now there's only one way to get rid of a toad, and that is with an air rifle. And I said that on a national television, and you know, there was a squeal from some of the audience, and then the commentator said, no, we all had, when we were young blokes, we all had air rifles. David Oldfield, he said, and the commentator, not Oldfield, the commentator said, you know, when we were kids, we had Shanghai's, and we grew up to have an air rifle, and then ultimately we had our 22s. But, uh, I mean, what were everyone getting shot in Australia? In actual fact, in Queensland, before there were any gun laws at all, there was only eight deaths with guns, only eight. New South Wales was twice our population, should have had 16 deaths with guns. They didn't. They had 36. And Victoria, with 50% more population, should have had 12. They didn't have 12. They didn't have 24. They didn't have 36. They didn't have 48. They had 54 deaths with guns. Now, they had highly restrictive gun laws. We had no gun laws at all. So, And it's funny. It's a pattern in Europe. Switzerland, you know, which has compulsory uh, automatic firearm ownership by everybody in the country. Um, they have the lowest homicide rate the last time I looked in Europe. And East Germany, so it's a fair while ago, and they're still in East Germany, where guns were banned, had the highest homicide rate with guns in Europe. And it's the same much. And, and similarly in America, you know, I mean, all of the high death rates with guns are in. Illinois, which is Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., uh, all of those highly populous uh, states where all guns are banned. Now, guess where the lowest death rate with guns, need I tell you? You know, Arizona, <laughs> Kansas, you know, New Mexico, you know, I mean, what's I've got plenty of friends over time? there in the Texases and the Arizonas and the Nevadas, yeah. Well, mate, so, so you know, we're saying that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get amongst, and, and this idea that the Crown owns everything. You know, once upon a time, and I just look at my neighbours, they had great fun going out fishing. You know, one of them going to go out when they have to look over their shoulders for the men in the uniforms with the guns, and there's something sick in a society where the only people that have the guns are the men in uniforms. So we know what sort of societies they are. But that's our society today. That's that's happening over in Britain right now. No, but that, well, I mean, you're you're looking at the breakout. But if you cramp the kids up and have them sitting in front of a television set or a computer game all day long, you know, they just might get a bit bored and decide to have a bit of a breakout, running around uh, out bush and you know, having a bloody ton of fun, hunting, camping, shooting, fishing, whatever they kids have done since the dawn of time. Um, you suddenly take that away from them. Well, you're dealing with an animal here that is programmed to hunt. He's called Homo sapiens. And uh, be my guest. Read every single book that has ever been written on evolutionary theory. And I'd suggest Robert Ardrey or uh, African Genesis would probably be a good place to start. Speaking, I've got a bit of a, a good one here for you. This was uh, sent in by one of the uh, listeners of the podcast. Now, it's a bit of a bit of a long question, but if you bear with me, he says, what's your, obviously we're just talking about gun laws, he says, what's your opinion on the current gun laws in Australia? How would you positively change or amend those laws? 
This includes your thoughts on the 1996 Port Arthur incident and the Howard government's ban on semi-automatic and pump-action firearms. This also could include the use of sound moderators for protection of hearing and for less noise complaints. Would you support reintroduction of these types of firearms and accessories for law-abiding law citizens who do the right thing? I would take a number of measures, and I must say here this is not party policy, this is my opinion which I've expressed on numerous occasions. The first thing I would do would be to remove the cause of the Port Arthurs. Now the government in their infinite hypocrisy has failed to do that and it's called the reverse of the rule in Tarasov's case and this is an American case but the ruling was that psychiatrists cannot release the name of a person unless the person specifies who he's going to kill. If he says, I'm going to go down, I'm going to shoot all these mongrels, the psychiatrist can't release his name to the authorities. He knows he's bad, he knows he's dangerous, but under the, his profession, he can't release the name, right? Now, the law should say just the opposite. If the psychiatrist considers that the person is dangerous, then he has an onus to report that person. Now, if that had been done in Hoddle Street, where the bloke was out of his tree, if it had been done, um, I'm trying desperately to think of the uh, one in um, in Sydney, then <clears throat> it's not coming to my mind, and, and in Port Arthur. Now, in Port Arthur, the laws actually did say that he wasn't out of the gun, you know, but the police hadn't enforced the laws. Now, the cost of policing the Firearms Act has been horrific. I mean, you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars in any one state, let alone the nation, which we're talking thousands of millions. Now, those police would take it out of doing the job they should have been doing, taking the guns off people like that lunatic at Port Arthur. Instead of taking the guns off him, they're running around taking the guns off all of the decent citizens. And, uh, and I hate to say it, but I think there's a little bit of fear in taking the guns off to Martin Bryant's. You know, well, I mean, police have got to be of their nature brave people. If you don't want to be a brave person, well, don't go into that profession. But, uh, but don't worry about the laws. The laws were already there to stop those three, one of those, the worst of those three massacres. The other two would have been stopped if the rule in Tarasov's case was reversed by legislation. We'd have the protection and separate the crazies from the guns. Now, that is not happening today. Because of Tarasov's rule. So, so what I'm saying is firstly, address the problem, the cause of the problem. The cause of the problem is there are some really crazy, dangerous people out there. We want to pinpoint them and make sure that they haven't got firearms or explosives or, or anything else. That, that, that they are definitely uh, a watched class of people. I mean, we lost our privileges, you know what I mean, for you know the sake of one particular person, and like you know all the all the le all the you know legal uh, law-abiding firearms owners lost all their you know prized guns they had handed down from you know father to son, just because it was a pump action or a semi-automatic, it had to go. You know. Let me be very specific. Uh, my grandfather's heirloom shotgun, uh, which my brother cleaned up every, I think he shot every single bird over a two-day shoot at the Gold Coast. Played pigeons during when he was 12 years of age and cleaned up the entire program. I mean, you can imagine the affection that my brother had 
for that uh, firearm, and it was taken off him and bent and smashed. That is obscene. I mean, it is just really obscene. I mean, there was, there was actually one. I'll tell you an interesting story I read uh, the other day. It was obviously, you know, you'd heard about the uh, Oslo uh, that took place over in Oslo where the, you know, the, you know, the yep. guy was dressed yep. as a police yep. officer. And, you know, so what did the government do? They put an ad in the paper and they're going to crack down on all pistol ranges now because don't forget, we all know the pistol ranges needed to be cracked down on because that's where all the crazies come from. So how silly was that? You know, like someone kills someone in a different country. I mean, a lot of people and, and, and it's horrific and these people should be put in prison for the rest of their lives not think well okay uh these people no, have done no, this yes. let's go let's go and crack down on the legalized pistol range it just doesn't make sense whenever intelligent men have sat down soberly and uh, written down the constitution the bill of rights in 1770 whatever it was uh, in great britain wrote into the constitution the right to bear arms the American Constitution, written by some of the intellectually towering figures of human history, such as Thomas Jefferson, wrote into the Constitution the right to bear arms. Wherever intelligent men have sat down, they realise that the ultimate freedom is the right of the individual to reject oppressive government. And uh, <clears throat> that plus their right to protect themselves in their own home. And uh, I mean... To say that I have no right to protect myself in my own home, uh, that is criminal, that is immoral, uh, that is wrong. Um, and, and that is the law as it now stands. But, um, but to deprive your boys of a chance to be boys, well, you, you, uh, you're sowing the whirlwind, um, you know, you're sowing the wind and you'll reap the whirlwind on this one. And, and Britain rioting is, is a good example of that. It's a good example of that. Uh, if those kids were out there doing what kids have done since the dawn of time, you know, fishing, hunting, shooting, camping, going bush, um, they wouldn't have been rioting. That just would not happen. And, uh, and it never happened in those days um, when they were allowed to, uh, to do those those things, um, but but if you if you have actually evolved from a hunting species, um, and there is absolutely no doubt that the defining feature of our originating species was uh, was a hunter, um, not exactly. <laughs> and you can't be nice about it. He wasn't a tool user; he was a hunter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there are apes that use tools to break open uh, rocks to to break open shells. Um, the sea otter, you know, will break open shells using a rock. So, I mean, animals as tool users, yes, there's a lot of animals that use tools. So there's another monkey that uh, sucks up ants, you know, from a, with a straw. Um, um, so there's a lot of tool using animals, but uh, there's no other reason why you would stand on your hind legs except to feed, free up your ants for the use of the club or the rock or the spear. So I was going to ask another question in regards to the, uh, the obviously the Firearms Act in regards to I mean it's basically you, you you would know that it's different in every state. Would you national nationalise it to make it the same in every state except for like it is now where it's different in every state? Yeah, I think I think that'd be helpful. Look, I believe strongly that there should be locks, trigger locks uh, on guns. You know, I'm not saying they should all be put in a steel cabinet somewhere, but there should be. 
uh, trigger locks on them. There's good reason for that. And uh, if anyone's intruding in your house, well, it doesn't take long to take off a trigger lock. But if someone takes that gun, not much use to them. It's got a trigger lock on. You know, they're going to do a lot of damage to try and get the trigger lock off. And most people that break in, really, they haven't got much brains, and that'd be a bit beyond them if you trigger lock. Um, so, so I'm just sort of saying that, and, and, and you know, I'm quite happy that the trigger lock be on a chain affixed to something, so that they can't just cut it off. You know, unless they come in with a chainsaw and want to spend an hour, you know, cutting it off with a chainsaw. But I, I think that that's fair enough. But, but putting them in a steel cabinet that, you know, I think defeats one of the major purposes. Uh, you know, why you have. Uh, but, but let us. Uh, confine our remarks to shooting and I think that you know if we um, provide uh, you know and I, I make this point when I was 18 I was handed an SLR rifle I had to give three telephone numbers and I was informed that I was on 24-hour call-up to fight in Indonesia which uh, I didn't see as an imposition because we're at war with a huge country and uh, and I thought well we've all got to you know, make our effort. Um, I must admit I wasn't too patriotic. I really thought if I got in early, I'd be given the orders instead of taking them. So I want to make out that I was driven by patriotism. I think it was more self-interest. But, but whatever it was, now standing behind me was 250,000 SLR rifles and a million automatic weapons stood behind that. We were not a people to trifle with. If anyone has a go at us now, we don't have 250,000 combat rifles. We only have 50,000. And we have that million semi-automatics that were standing behind that. We have now none. None at all. Think about this. The government of Australia is so trusting of foreigners that they've disarmed their own country. And yet they're so untrusting of their own people that they've disarmed them. Um, think about that. It's horrible, isn't it? The fact that you, you know, uh, can't, and it's obviously you're aware of the genuine reason in regards to like getting licenses that, you know, home protection, I mean, isn't one of that. I mean, so someone can come into my home, you know, if I've got a wife and a child, you know, either attack, rape or pillage or, or, or you know, or whatever, or whatever they decide they want to do or steal all my stuff or physically hurt me. And there's absolutely nothing I can do about that. Well, the, 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 uh... I think we do need the sporting shooters uh, very much because they actually provide, you know, if people have got to go to a shooting range, then it gives you an opportunity to weed out the crazies, you know. Uh, that's we right, that's true. probably would pick true. up a few. So, uh, so I'm very strongly uh, supportive of the uh, sporting shooters approach, and I think uh, uh, government has got that part right. But the rest of it, you know, we're just putting people not just in disharmony with their nature, but at odds with their nature. I mean, if you've programmed women to have children for uh, five million years, well, I mean, if you're starting not to do that, well, I think you're not, it's not just disharmony. Similarly with blokes, you know, I mean, if you've been programmed to hunt, then um, you're suddenly saying, no, you're not allowed to hunt. Well, I think there's going to be very, very um, bad things happen when you uh, put people in complete conflict with their DNA programming, uh, their evolutionary inheritance, if you like. Um, so those, I mean, I've been very generalistic 
in Myra Marx, that, uh, that clearly the right to protect yourself in your own home will be restored. Uh, that would be, I would feel, very, very strong. Yeah, like no one's um, saying we wanted to do like a, a concealed carry or anything of those kind of sorts like, you know, other countries are doing at the moment, but obviously just the general right to protect yourself in your own home. You, you know, like he said in the castle, it's your home, you know. You, that, you know, what is someone doing in your home? That, that shouldn't be there. I mean, that person should not be in your home. They're only up to no good if they're in your home and you don't know them. Uh, two great movies, seriously. One was Robin Hood, you know, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, King John says, "What do you think I can give every Englishman a, a castle?" And uh, Robin Hood says, "Every Englishman's home is his castle." And and the other one was the movie he just made reference to the castle. Now this is my own, this is my land. You can't come on unless I give you permission. It does not belong to the crown. It belongs to the people. Um, and and we have. You know, cut a huge swathe in that by taking away the people's access to the people's land and then taking off the land owned by the people individually, taking all their rights away. Their right to remove a flying fox from the tree in the backyard. Well, I mean, we protected ourselves from diseased flying foxes. Uh, we first Australians, we Australians had black faces then. Uh, you know, we spared them or boomeranged them, we hit them with a null and null, and they provided a good feed. Now we get put in jail if we touch them. This has not been uh, good movements by government each day. But uh, restrictive government, uh, uh, the other issue is just restrictiveness. I mean, the, the politicians, they see an article in the newspaper and they've got to race off and get themselves in the newspaper saying that uh, they're the good guys, they're going to fix it up. And what they do is go and torture everybody in society. And there's some ratbag mob that want the uh, uh, speed limits to come down to 30 kilometres. Well, I mean, let's put them down to two kilometres and then we won't have any deaths at all on the roads. You know, We'll have a hell of a lot of deaths People trying to get to hospital or trying to get to see a doctor. <laughs> but what doesn't make sense is too is that why, I mean, when these things happen, which obviously are tragedies like Port Arthur and you know, the shootings that do occur and, and, and other you know, murders you know, not using firearms, why, why do we disarm the people that are doing the right thing? And that basically only gives access to you know, unsavoury criminals that basically have no one... You know, they're the ones with the guns. They're the ones with the power because the average person, the average you know Joe like myself and other hunters and shooters in the community that are just trying to do the right thing, spending their own money, trying to do the right thing by the laws and by the you know by the Federal Animal Control Acts and and just trying to be good people are the ones getting done over. Oh, if only uh, we could. Uh, I think there's probably a hundred rabbits living, and I live. The houses across the road are suburbia where I live. Uh, I would say in the three straight streets sort of surrounding my, uh, you know, 10 acre block, I would say there would be over 100 rabbits. Now, they are absolutely venomous creatures. The flying foxes are carrying dreadful diseases. They're carrying uh, an Ebola strain that killed 106 people in Malaysia called Nipra. Um, they carried SARS that killed 705,000 people. We know they're carrying Lissa and Hendra virus, both of which 
if you get it, you die. I mean, <clears throat> this remote possibility might survive, but it's very remote. And, and there's things like leptospirosis, probably 5% death rate with lepto. We've had three of them die. And, and you're saying to me we can't shoot them. You're saying to me we can't shoot the toads, right? Well, I mean, what sort of ridiculous future do you see for Australia when we're overrun by rabbits and pigs and flying foxes? You say the flying foxes were there rubbish they were there. They were never, ever there in these sort of proportions. They're only a very, very small part of the original Australian diet, if you like, very small part. And if they're in these sort of proportions, they'd have been a very big part of their diet. But, you know, the digs and the middens and all indicate that they were a very small part, which meant their numbers were very, very small. Well, I did hear recently too. Uh, the nat- I heard off thing of a website, National Parks and Wildlife. The, uh, uh, the I think it said the fruit bat and the bats. The laws are going to be, I think, as of 2012 or 2013, are getting very a hell of a lot stricter, and you'll have to have very, very good reason under permit to even be able to obtain a permit to be able to either shoot, you know, bats off crops or fruit bats or whatever species of bat. No, they no, are no, 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 Jason. No, no, no. I, well, I can't speak for the authority about New South Wales, but I can question. Yep. But New South Wales and Queensland are vying with California to be the most restrictive states on earth. They actually have a table, you know, of the most litigious states on earth where the most litigation takes place. And New South Wales, they pushed us out of second place and they were second to California. Um, I haven't got the table handy with me, but it is published in the in the newspapers, but uh, the most restrictive society, the most unfree society on earth, Queensland and New South Wales. Congratulations, Mr. Politician. You have done it, you know. Now, uh, Winston Churchill, in his History of the English-Speaking Peoples, which got a Nobel Prize, he said, Oliver Cromwell, the most hated man in all of English history, when he died, they tore his body to pieces in the street. Um, but but he, 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 he didn't believe in fun. He didn't think there was sort of fun. He went running around and saying it was evil. You know, we'll have to stop them. They, he actually around, it's ran around on Christmas Day, pulling the plum puddings off the table off the little kids. Um, <laughs> but, you know, right, well, you know, they get the power, but just understand that the people's hatred of you is building up, building up, building up. We're doing a survey. Well, there's been two uh, public uh, recent polls, uh, or three, one in the Gold Coast, one in Innisfail, North Queensland, and uh, one in Davenport in Tasmania, which are giving us two to one over the mainstream parties. So let them keep talking. Let them keep taking away our freedoms. Let them keep doing this. But understand, beating out there is the people rising up, rising up. Up. Well, you know, as I said, it seems to be the way it's going uh, these days, and you know, hopefully, you know, as if your party, you know, becomes. Yeah, how is your party doing anyway? I've actually got a listener question here, uh, Bob. Jason, I, you know, I'm going to have to let you go. Of course, I can't keep you all day, uh, so, so we'll, we'll let you go. But, but uh, well, we, we we just we just uh, say to you, if you're sick of your country being sold off night after night on the television, sold out in our jobs, then please, you've got to help us. Um, we want to tell you that we're we're a very serious party. Um, just ring my office at Parliament House yep. or uh, in Innisfail or North Queensland Directory. You know Innisfail or Mount Isa. 
Bob, what's the website, Bob, if they want to join up? Um, I, I, I haven't got that, Jason. We'll it's the Australian, I think probably uh, the Australian part. I'll, I'll find that up and I'll put that um, on your... That's uh, terrible that I'm not able to tell you straight off. But, uh, but it's Cutter's Australia Party in the Brisbane telephone directory. You'll have to remember the word Cutter's Australia Party. Yeah, and they yeah, can find you um, online, can't they? And they can, they absolutely. Can, they can no, no, there's, no, there's absolutely. There's uh, all sorts of websites and everything else there. And uh, we haven't, you know, in the time frame that we got, we haven't got time to go into detailed uh, policy on these things. And what's we don't talk about what we're going to do. I think people know what we're going to do. I don't think anyone's got any doubts about what's going to happen, you know, when we get the power. You know, we will be riding Tiger with all the uh, sissies and sooks and uh, prissy little people that run around and self-righteously uh, take away all of our fun. Um, yeah, well, their day's coming to an end. Jason, God bless, God bless all the listeners, and let's go out there and return Australia to being a fun place again, where, where our kids have their Shanghais and air rifles, and we kill the toads and, and, <laughs> and rabbits and, and pigs. Right on, mate, God bless. Thanks for coming on the podcast, I really appreciate it. Have a good day. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Brought to you by AussieUsedGuns.com.au The premier classifieds of new and used firearm sales. Thanks for listening. See you next time.